It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to this edition of the Under the Hood podcast, the official podcast of the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. Glad you've joined us. In the next half hour, we'll recap the Indy Fuels last week, let you know what's coming up, and we're honored to be joined by ECHL Commissioner Ryan Creelan. You'll hear our conversation later on in the show. The Indy Fuel begin February 2021 with the best record in the ECHL, 12-2-1, after taking three out of a possible four points against the Wheeling Nailers this past weekend, and that came on the heels of a very successful four-game trip to Tulsa and Wichita, in which the Fuel won three out of the four games. Despite being really banged up, they had to add three defensemen and a goaltender right before the trip due to injuries and players on the commissioner's exempt list. But the Fuel have kept on rolling and continued to show great success. And right now, with a 12-2-1 record, currently sitting atop the Eastern Conference in the ECHL, a point ahead of the Florida Everblades. A lot has happened since we last spoke to you. One of those things that has happened is that the Fort Wayne Comets have announced that they will be joining the ECHL's roster for the season. They'll begin play in early February, and as you might expect, we'll see the Comets a lot in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Also, the divisional alignment has been announced. The Fuel and the Wheeling Nailers will be part of the Eastern Conference with the five South Division teams that are playing this season. The Fort Wayne Comets will join the Western Conference with the six Mountain Division teams that are playing the 2020-21 ECHL season. For the Fuel, it's been a really good start through 15 games, and that continued this past weekend when the Fuel took three out of a possible four points against the Wheeling Nailers. On Saturday night, it was a big start by the Fuel as Nick Pirog scored twice in the first three minutes to give Indy a two-goal lead. The Fuel later extended the lead to 3 to nothing on Michael McNicholas's goal. Joe Sullivan then made it 4-1 to one in the second period, and the Fuel eventually won that game by a count of 5-2. to two. In addition to Nick Pirog's two goals, Joe Sullivan had a goal and an assist. Michael McNicholas had a goal and an assist in that contest. And the fuel moved to 12 and 2 on the season. Sunday, the fuel had another really good start, and it was sparked by a great passing play between Spencer Watson, Jared Thomas, and Cedric Lacroix that gave Indy a 1 0 lead. Cedric Lacroix, the former nailer, in on the forecheck. Over to the near side comes Wheeling as Winquist skates through four fuel players but couldn't get past the last one who poke checks him and here's Spencer Watson wanting transition the other way leaves it on the far side Thomas to Lacroix tic-tac goal and the fuel lead at one to nothing a beautiful feed from Thomas on the rush to Lacroix filling the back door and all said he had to do is tip it in and the fuel lead at one to nothing well, it's been a great start for the Indy Fuel. They did not score on the power play, but had some great looks, gained some momentum. And Spencer Watson, this is what you got to do if you're the puck carrier, driving through the middle of the ice, send it out wide. And a great look from Jared Thomas. 
all the way across the lane, and I love what Spencer Watson does. Drive the middle, kick it wide, but keep going to the net to draw defensemen to you, opening up that lane across the seam. And the pass was right on the tape from Jared Thomas to Cedric Lacroix, back door. And the key there from Lacroix, one-timing the puck, redirecting it all in one motion. Because if he stops it, it gives the goaltender time to get over. A great goal off the rush in the Indy Fuel take the lead. Nick Olchek joins me for the call of that one. And that gave the Fuel a lead. Wheeling answered early in the second period. But then Spencer Watson scored twice in the middle frame, including this goal that gave the Fuel a 2-1 to one edge. Here come the fuel the other way through center. Malmquist into the right wing corner. It gets into the trapezoid. So Halverson will play it to Malmquist. Looks to center. Nobody was home. It's deflected out of the point for Savage. Over to the right point, Raskop. Right circle, Watson skates in. Dangles to the slot. Backhand score! Spencer Watson gives the fuel a 2-1 lead as he stick-handled into the slot, took it to the backhand, and shoveled it past Halverson for his fourth goal of the season. And Indy leads it 2-1. I mean, I, you can't get more slick than this. Spencer Watson, who's had a couple of great chances in this game. Raskob finds him. And that's the new wheeling nailer, Austin, fighting in his second game. Leads with his stick. And a little how do you do for Spencer Watson. Brings it right to his backhand. And then he beats Brandon Halverson. To the far side, past the blocker. A great play from Spencer Watson. Watson would later add another goal to put Indy up 3-1, to one, but Wheeling came back with a pair of goals in quick succession early in the third and went on to win in overtime. The Fuel's first overtime loss of the year in eight games that have gone past regulation. Looking at this Fuel roster, Spencer Watson basically has picked up where he left off last season. In eight games this year, he has 11 points, all of those coming in his last six. The six-game scoring streak is the longest active streak in the league. He has five goals and six assists in that span, including four points this weekend, two goals and an assist on Sunday and an assist on Saturday night. Alex Router has a goal and four assists in his last six games. He did not play this past weekend, but has been playing really well for the fuel, and Nick Pirog is tied for the league lead in goals with nine in the 13 games the Fuel have played. Joe Sullivan also with a hot stick of late. He has three goals and an assist in his last four games, and Mike Lee has two goals and three assists in his last five. So the Fuel getting lots of contributions from a lot of places. And since we last talked, there's been a significant change over to the roster as Riley McKay, DJ Buzdecker, and Tom Aubrun were called up by the Rockford Ice Hogs, but also a number of players were called up to other American Hockey League teams, including Connor McDonald, who was called up to the Cleveland Monsters on Sunday, right after the game. Derek Brash has received an opportunity in the AHL, as have Patrick McGrath and Matt Marcinou. But, of course, that means opportunities for others. The Fuel signed Billy Christopoulos, who had played for the Toledo Walleye and had a tremendous year last year. And he just came in and was the ECHL goaltender of the week in his first week with the Fuel. He's 3-1 and one in four starts with Indy. Defenseman Alec McRae also joining the team after having a really good season split between Toledo and Grand Rapids in the American Hockey League last season. 
and Michael McNicholas, rookie Nick Hutchison, another rookie and Dylan Malmquist, and Ross Olson have also joined the Fuel and have given this team a little bit of depth and some scoring up front. Michael McNicholas led the Maine Mariners in scoring a couple of years ago. Nick Hutchison had a really good career at Canisius College and... You look at Dylan Malmquist, he had 30 points in 40 games his senior season at Notre Dame a couple of years ago. So Doug Christensen has done a really good job of filling in the void left by those players moving up to the American Hockey League with other really talented players. And the Fuel have really seen no drop-off at all in the level of play, despite having so many call-ups to the American Hockey League. And that's what this league is all about in the ECHL, is giving guys opportunities to show what they can do and earn that call-up, earn that opportunity at the next level. And we're seeing that come to fruition in Chicago, where Kevin Lonkinen has had a tremendous start for the Blackhawks in essentially seizing the number one role. He is the third Fuel alum to graduate to the NHL, joining Colin Delia and Justin Hall, and the second to do so with the Blackhawks. And, of course, Justin Hall doing so with the Toronto Maple Leafs, where he's really playing well on the right side of the Maple Leafs' defense. Looking ahead, the Fuel are going to be home a lot This game, Sunday against Wheeling, kicked off a run of 14 of the next 16 at home at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum for the Fuel. And between now and March 14th, the only place they will travel outside of the Indiana Farmers Coliseum is Wheeling. They'll play there on Valentine's Day and also on February 24th. Other than that, the Fuel will be in the friendly confines of the Indiana Farmers Coliseum for pretty much the entire month of February in the first half of March, and that starts with a pair of games this weekend against the Rapid City Rush. Friday night is a do three one seven night, and Saturday night is DC Superheroes Night, presented by Shelbourne Knee Center. And you can get your tickets for both of those games at IndieFuelHockey.com. Also, next Wednesday, February tenth, the Fuel will be home to take on the Wheeling Nailers before getting a few days off. Then a Valentine's Day trip to Wheeling, and then they're back home for four home games and five nights, starting on the 17th against Fort Wayne. That'll be our first look at the Comets this season, and then the 19th, 20th, and 21st against the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. And then there will be another 3-3 and the following weekend against the Fort Wayne Comets. So lots of hockey Coming up at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, lots of opportunities to see the fuel. So get your tickets now. Every game this season that has been played at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum has been a sellout. Tickets are limited, so get them now at IndieFuelHockey.com. It's time to chat with our guest on this edition of Under the Hood. We are honored to converse with the commissioner of the ECHL, Ryan Creelan. Describe these first couple of months. The league has had a really successful start to the season. What have these first couple of months been like for you? We're really proud of being able to, to get started and come out of the box here. I mean, uh, every day, you know, we take in stride. Uh, certainly, uh, we have a long way to go, uh, both, you know, on the ice and off the ice. Uh, but we worked really hard to get to this point and uh, to see it come to fruition. And uh, again, there'll be challenges ahead, but we'll just continue to work through them. Uh, it's 
all part of the 2021 season. How much have you uh, worked with other leagues as far as running ideas past each other, whether it be the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League or other professional sports organizations to borrow best practices and share what you've done so far with the, with the other leagues that are just now getting started? Over the summer and coming into the fall, we had a watchful eye on other sports. We actually did some conference calls uh, with other sports and uh, all of our team staff just to share what they were experiencing because, uh, you know, it was a new playbook for everyone. And uh, the NHL in the hockey community did a really nice job of uh, sharing their information and also putting the entire hockey community together. So we were on calls maybe, say, once a month or so uh, with uh, NHL, AHL, ECHL, Major Junior, a uh, number of other leagues, Hockey Canada, USA Hockey, just to share what everyone was experiencing. And, uh, you know, that's just in the formal setting. You know, certainly a lot of side conversations as well and, and running ideas because, like I said, uh, even the the routine uh, things that we do on a day-to-day basis all needed to be evaluated and adjusted. Describe what it's been like for the league and the franchises that are playing They've been able to put protocols in place for both players and fans to try to ensure their safety to get a season off the ground. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's all part of the equation. I mean, we, we worked with the PHPA and internally to develop kind of our behind the scenes and hockey protocol. But uh, on the front end, all of our teams working with their venues and their local health officials to put safety protocols in for front of house and, and fans and to make sure that. Uh, we could have folks in the building to enjoy ECHL hockey. So uh, every jurisdiction's a little bit different, um, but we were able to to work through with some broad strokes and then fine tune at each local level. And uh, again, the fact that we've uh, been able to get this far is quite an accomplishment. Is releasing the schedule in stage as part of that is with Fort Wayne coming in here in February as well. Has that been part of just having that flexibility to make adjustments as you need to and make changes as local conditions change? Yeah, it, it's by design, and uh, I think it's it's worked to our uh, advantage. We're working on the last block here now uh, and hope to get that out soon. But, uh, you know, we learned from other sports and certainly just trying to surmise it as a whole that having flexibility was going to be necessary. What are some of the challenges you've had to overcome in the most interesting off-season in your tenure as commissioner? Lots of communication and coordination and idea sharing and vetting uh, and getting everyone pointed in the right direction uh, to make some of these decisions. Uh, that was certainly a challenge. Um, you know, I think we came up with a really creative and out-of-box solution to give everybody the best chance to play. Unfortunately, not everybody could, and you never want to go on without your teams. But, uh, you know, in some instances uh, in their jurisdictions, they didn't have a choice. Uh, again, that's all part of the 2021 season. And, again, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to, to play this season and, and be where we're at. And then on a day-to-day basis, like I said, uh, you know, we just try and take everything in stride, certainly dealing uh, with covid and the challenges that that poses, and uh, you just try and work through them as they come up. This is the seventh season in the ECHL for the Indy Fuel. What has been the value of the Fuel franchise in the Indianapolis market to the league? 
Yeah, well, it's been a, a, a real welcome addition to our league. Love working with the folks, uh, you know, starting with the, the Hallett family and Bill Stackhouse and Larry McQuarrie. And, uh, you know, it's it's a welcome addition to our central division. Uh, great geographic rival for some of our other teams in the area. And, uh, you know, big marketplace, and we've been able to do some fun things in market, including the all-star game a few years back. So, um, you know, the fuel have been a great addition to the ECHL. In recent weeks, the ECHL has announced the addition of Trois-Rivières, Quebec, and Coralville, Iowa, joining the league next season, and then a new team in Savannah, Georgia, in 2022. Describe the process of adding those markets to the ECHL and how important those markets are going to be to the league going forward. Those things don't happen overnight. Uh, those are years in the making, starting with a, a building and a venue. In all three of those markets, you've got new constructions, which is very important. And then we look at the marketplace in terms of uh, population uh, and, and uh, geography, uh, try and work with different ownership groups to see uh, if we can position them in there. And again, that takes a series of, of time, but we've been really excited about the, those markets and, and their geography. And anytime you have a new building, that's a, a game-changing experience. And so to see it all come to fruition at the same time is uh, very rewarding. And, uh, you know, th- those will be very welcome additions to the different divisions they represent. Having a, another team in Canada is also uh, a nice touch. And uh, Coralville kind of serves as a nice connector between the Central and the West. You look at Coralville, it is a suburb of Iowa City. It is near Cedar Rapids, and it sits right in the middle of the United States Hockey League, which is an important feeder league to the ECHL, as a lot of USHL players go on to play in the NCAA and then matriculate to the ECHL. Because of that, how important is that location and that market, especially with a fan base that's already very hockey savvy? It's a new geography for us, but not new geography for hockey. You've got an AHL team out there, and uh, as you mentioned, a number of of USHL teams. And so to be able to to get into that marketplace at our level, uh, I think is another feather in our cap and another great thing for the the fans out there. Uh, uh, Some real passionate sports fans uh, in that, that neck of the woods. And, uh, again, I think it'll provide an opportunity for some central teams to visit as well as some west teams to visit. And the fans from those cities can, can uh, head to Coralville to check out their visiting teams. The ECHL has worked really well providing a blueprint for expansion teams coming into the league. They usually are announced a year in advance and take that year to build up their sponsors, their season ticket base. We saw that work really successfully with the Worcester Railers and the Maine Mariners. How has that blueprint provided a roadmap for expansion teams and new markets to come into the ECHL and hit the ground running? It's something that we focus on uh, in terms of providing adequate lead time, uh, as well as management. And like I said earlier, these things don't happen uh, overnight, uh, but we're familiar with the ownership and management teams in all three of the cities. In fact, uh, you know, multiple ownerships um, between those entities. And we're confident because they know the ECHL, they know our business, they've given themselves adequate lead time. And even before the announcement, they've been working on a number of things And uh, that gives us all the confidence in the world for uh, long-term success. 
what is the league's role in supporting the franchises that are playing and also the ones that are in voluntary suspension that are taking the year off that are gearing up to return to action next fall? I think the league's role in general is to, to unify and set out a, a vision and a plan and get everybody to understand that. Uh, this year is unique because normally all your teams are active, uh, but this year we have kind of a bifurcation. Some teams are active, some teams aren't. I think the key there, though, is that no matter what group you're in, others are in the same boat, and we've been sharing ideas whether you're playing or whether you're not playing. Both roads are difficult this year. It's difficult for the entire sports industry. But, uh, again, we're not alone in this, and so sharing ideas and trying to, to point uh, everyone in the right direction is, is something we focus on on a daily basis. How much of a priority was it for you and the PHPA as well to get a full season in, even though it shifted a couple of months uh, going from December to June instead of the traditional October to April schedule, but to get a full 72 games in? Well, I mean, I think that was the starting point and uh, something – that we put up on the board that we wanted to target where possible. We knew it wouldn't be possible everywhere. Uh, if we had to play a reduced schedule, I suppose we would, but at some point you can only reduce so far. And I think we were very fortunate to be able to put a plan together to get that full season. I know our teams enjoy it. The players enjoy it. And again, especially during this time, I believe the fans enjoy it. Um, you know, our goal is to provide entertainment. And, uh, you know, during this pandemic, I think uh, we can all use it. How meaningful has it been to see the buildings as full as they can be and to see some outstanding, well-played, high-caliber hockey these first two months of the season? That's what it was all about, to be able to get back on the ice. And, uh, you know, we've been the benefactor of some situations and some of the other leagues not playing. Uh, obviously we'd love to have more folks in the building, but, uh, you know, within reason and within safety guidelines, we are where we are. We do think that'll get better over time here. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, but, uh, we're going to let our local health officials let the vaccine play out. Um, and you know, all in due time. Describe the importance of the relationship with Flow Sports and how that will really help grow the exposure of the league, not just among hockey fans, but, I have a number of friends from the auto racing community and from uh, other sports that are now tuning in because they have access to and the ability to watch ECHL games. Yeah, that was part of us aligning with them and forming this this partnership. Uh, they do a really nice job of covering all the sports properties that they uh, are engaged with. So they help tell the ECHL story. Um, we worked through a number of things, but I think the product and the, the mobile app are excellent for our fans. And it also provides, you know, because they have all of those other properties and have built their subscription base, it exposes ECHL hockey to folks that we've never touched before. So uh, all of those things combined, um, you know, have really uh, led to this, this long-term partnership. And we're just getting it going. We're working through a few things, but... Uh, you know, definitely a great partnership for the long term. What are some things you've learned from this year, from the pause in March through a very interesting off season, and getting this season started that will aid you and the league going forward? I feel like I'm a medical doctor at this point, although my credentials don't show it. Um, but, you know, we've certainly learned a lot 
uh, about you know, how to conduct hockey amidst this medical crisis and, and the pandemic. And so we'll certainly take that knowledge uh, with us into the future for, for player safety. And I think the biggest thing is just communication. Um, we've, uh, you know, had a number of board calls, uh, which is somewhat out of the norm. I mean, we have regularly scheduled ones throughout the year, but, uh, to bring everybody together frequently to share ideas, vet ideas, and try and work towards the best solution that takes time and, uh, and a lot of communication. And, uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway. What are you looking forward to for the remainder of the 2020, 21 season? I think progress. I mean, uh, we're all, uh, whether you're a sports fan or not, waiting to see things get better, see things open up and build towards normalcy. Again, that's going to take time, not going to happen overnight. But I do think there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we're progressing uh, in the right direction. So we've got to just keep doing the things that we're doing. Uh, it's worked thus far and things will get better. And uh, our goal is to get back to that uh, the atmosphere that we're accustomed to providing, where people can come out, have a great time, uh, you know, support their hometown team, and uh, really have that great electric atmosphere in the building. That's what ECHL hockey is all about. It's something we really enjoy, and we've enjoyed it so far for the first couple months of this season, and are looking forward to. It growing as the year goes on. Commissioner Ryan Creelan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. That's ECHL Commissioner Ryan Creelan. We'll be back right after this. We want to thank Ryan Creelan for joining us on this edition of Under the Hood to talk about all the good things happening in the ECHL, some of the challenges the league is facing, and also expansion. Really excited to be adding three new cities, Trois-Rivières, Quebec, and Coralville, Iowa next year, and then Savannah, Georgia the year after. Also want to thank you for joining us. A lot of opportunities to see the Indy Fuel at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum in the coming weeks, starting this weekend, February 5th and 6th, as the Fuel take on the Rapid City Rush for a pair of games. Get your tickets now at IndyFuelHockey.com. And of course, join Nick Olchak and I with the call on Mixler.com slash IndyFuel on the audio side and Flow Hockey on the video side. And for those of you who attend the games, Make sure you tune us in on your way in. The broadcast begins at 645 as soon as warm-ups are complete. And then dial in our post-game show on your drive home as well and join us for that. And of course, in the interim, we'll have all the exciting play-by-play as well of each game. want to thank you for joining us on this edition of Under the Hood and also thank our special guest Ryan Creelan for taking his time to converse with us as well. I am Andrew Smith. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.